FM New York, WKCR HD, WKCR.org, anywhere on the web, 89.9 FM here in New York City. Or maybe you're listening to the Deep Focus podcast on that podcasting app in your pocket right now. But um, any which way, this is Deep Focus. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. And here's some music from Sun Ra that you've never heard.
WKCR. Oh, yeah. Let them hear it. Let them hear it, folks. That is a live recording that I'm going to say you've almost certainly never ha- never heard. It was recorded in 1980, Leap Day in 1980. Music from Sun Ra and the orchestra. And why are we listening to Sun Ra? Well, the show's called Deep Focus. You know how this works. We invite a guest into the studio, and the guest chooses a topic of our dedicated attention. And I'm very, very pleased and proud to welcome back to the studio Ahmed Abdullah. And on a very special occasion of note, which I'm going to talk about in a moment, but and uh, also uh, Monique Ngozi-Nri with us as well. Welcome to WKCR. Thank you for having us here. Yeah, man. Well, I was saying it's a, a noteworthy occasion. And in particular, this was really put into motion. How do you like that? We talk about the home technical difficulties. I can't turn that ringer on. Is that great? Is that great or what? You have just published a book about yes. your experiences with Sun Ra in and out of the orchestra, on the road and off. And it's called A Strange Celestial Road. Yes. Yes. And it is that, A Strange Celestial Road, <laughs> which is the life that I've lived, you know, being influenced by, the, by Sun Ra. Yeah. Yeah. What comes through, I, um, I was, can't tell you how pleased I was to know that you were working on such a book at all, because mm. uh, I've been, as you know, kind of fascinated with Sun Ra and the orchestra since back when we were talking about yeah. how far back we go. We met, right. uh, I think it was in the 40s after the war. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was home on leave. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I was already a Sun Ra fan at that time. Yeah. And uh, so here's this insider's, real insider's view of how that music came to be. And, um, but also all these other things external to it. And that was even more of a surprise in a way. Um, and let me just say, we're going to talk a bit about the book tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, did I mention the title? A Strange Celestial Road by my guest, Ahmed Abdullah. And, um, but if you're in the New York area and you really want to do a deep dive specifically about the book, we're going to do this tomorrow night at the Strand Bookstore. Maybe you could tell a little bit about where we're at in the life of the orchestra right now, this music that we're listening to. Well, this is, um, I came into the band in 1975, so this is from 1980. And um, certainly the um, most of the songs that, uh, that are on this particular uh, track are songs that I played except the one we heard, Rhapsody in Blue. I never heard Sun Ra do Rhapsody in Blue. That's um, really something different and I love his interpretation of it it was um I mean I think Gershwin would have like his eyes would have raised up and his ears would have opened up with uh Sun Ra doing that certainly some reharmonization of um uh Rhapsody in Blue yeah wait do you want to push into that a little bit what what was he doing there he well he was uh you know he took the melody and he um changed the melody around a little bit but you could hear it, you could recognize it as being um, uh, Rhapsody in Blue. You know, uh, certainly that was there, the, the the melody was there, but what he was doing underneath was certainly something uh, um, that um, Gershwin probably would have um, said, wow, that's a, a different approach to uh, <laughs> to my composition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. And, you know, it's funny, I'm trying to place in my mind, thinking about 1980, that melody mm-hmm. became so familiar maybe overly familiar united airlines used it as a theme song for many years um it's a it's a rich piece of music with a lot going on in it and i'm just wondering maybe it wasn't quite as uh familiar in people's ears then as it became Mm. in later years i don't know i mean 1980 i think it would have still been something that people would have um would have recognized the other um Tracks that we heard, um, Limehouse Blues is a staple that was in uh, the band when I was in the band. Um, so that um, and the blues was always something the Sun Ra would um, would uh, you know play on any given set. So yeah, those um, those songs. But I was really really um, floored by Rhapsody in Blue, his his version yeah. of that, and really really something different. You know? I loved 
when you guys would take it out. Yeah. And I also loved when you and I met, you were doing some very forward looking music. You were with New Dimensions in Music. That's right. And that was um one had to be ready to gaze into where music was going at that time. Yeah. I'll tell you the truth. I don't know if I ever said this to you. I was still kind of a moldy fig at that point. <laughs> I used to listen to, you know, I would go out and listen to Papa Joe Jones and, you know, the guys from the 30s were still around. I'd be like 40 years younger than everybody else in the audience. And um, there were a lot of people who would play that style of music. Mm-hmm. But when you guys did it with Sun Ra, when other people did it, a lot of the time it would sound like kind of a received idea. Yeah. Like people are, you know, getting it and, and trying to recreate it. When the orchestra played that music, it sounded of the moment. I felt yeah. like that was probably what it would have sounded like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know whether uh, you've uh, read the book up to the part where we did um, we did a... a, a Place on 13th Street. What is it called? I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cat Club, maybe? The Cat Club, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. And we uh, had to play a swing piece for Frankie Manning. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, Frankie Manning's uh, sense of swing is very different from Sunrise's sense of swing, even though they're from the same era. And, and um, we had a rehearsal with another um, swing dance group called the Jiving Lindy Hoppers, and uh, and that would have been what would have been needed with Frankie Manning as well, because um, it was not quite. I don't think Frankie Manning was so happy with the Sun Ra Band playing swing, right? Because it didn't give him the the the, uh, the means for him to do what he usually uh, did, you know. With the uh, I, I think they they call it the Shim Sham Shimmy. You yeah, know? yeah, 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 yeah. That was one of his dances, you know. But uh, but yeah, but Sun Ra's sense of swing was very different because he he was there in the, you know when swing was created, but he was also around you know in the 1960s and 1970s when the envelope was being pushed, and so he had all of that. Did he? How did he convey that concept? Was it just the the people that he assembled in the room to play it, or did he rehearse it in a particular way, or? Because you guys didn't exactly color inside the lines, but you know the the the, the groove was so yeah. deep. Well, the rehearsals are very different from what we would play. You know, we would we might even play it straight, and then uh, you know when you have the element of the audience there, it's going to be different. It's got to be different, you know. So it, it really was of the moment because the the audience would bring out a whole different characteristic. But we would go over it, you know, kind of like. You know, it would sound like something from the 1930s, you know. But then live music, different, completely yeah, different. Yeah. Yeah. You're listening to Deep Focus on WKCR. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman, and I'm very fortunate to have Ahmed Abdullah, who's part of the creation of so much music with Sun Ra and beyond. And Monique Ngozi-Nri is with us as well. Haven't said much yet, but I, I know. I, I do want to just say I was a bit of a moldy fig like you when I when I met Ahmed. Uh, we met at Ronnie Scott's in London, um, and I had never heard the Sun Ra Orchestra. I was listening to, I don't know, Miles. I, I was it wasn't anything radical at all, and uh, my musical education began. I think Ahmed played me. The first time I came to New York, like all of the later Coltrane, I was like, what is this? Um, but 30 years later, you know, I really do appreciate um, all of Sun Ra's compositions. And as you say, there is a there is a, an outside um, element, but but there's also a, a melodic, a harmonic um, effort that happens that is very different, I think, from... A lot, a lot of the other music that was being created in that in that time, you know, maybe Don Cherry, maybe there are a few other people who kind of were for whom the melody was still critical. Um, but oh, for yeah. me, a lot of that other music was like I don't know what's happening. Um, but with Sun Ra, um, I I always find I'm I'm able to I'm able to to stay with it. So yeah. When uh, another thing that we were all grooving on listening to that music that solo that we heard mm-hmm. and 
maybe you want to talk a little bit about who that was and what that was. John Gilmore solo, yeah, yeah. John Gilmore, uh, just a, an amazing, an amazing player, and he was really the foundation of the Sun Ra band. I think he he was the reason that I uh, was uh, very much interested in playing with Sun Ra. Besides Sun Ra himself, uh, because I just wanted to be up next, up close and personal to John Gilmore uh, as much as I could, man, because I loved his playing. And and he certainly didn't play like anybody else, even though people make comparisons to John Coltrane. If you listen closely, you don't really, you don't really hear that. Um, his his way of playing was almost like, um, it was almost like speech-like, you know, um, and, and listening to him practice, practice you can understand he would you know do the uh, the scales do scalar runs and you know and, and and his ability to articulate in a particular kind of way in a, in a speech like uh fashion was uh just so unique and and so wonderful to hear and and of course he had the whole uh, vocabulary uh up his sleeve as well you know he could go from the the, the most inside uh, blues rendition to something that is like on planet Pluto, and uh, and it would it would all work. Yeah, it all work. Yeah, yeah, and it would, he wouldn't yeah. uh, wouldn't betray anything that he was making some transition or something. Would just all seem like part of the yeah. expression. And he was such a humble person, you know. He was uh, a real giant, which is why. Um, when the uh, when the sunrise when sunrise left the planet, um, the band really had real difficulty uh, keeping going with uh, under John Gilmore's leadership because he was very ill, very ill. But everybody had so much respect for him; nobody would question anything that John Gilmore did. Really, you know, he was he was just he was John Gilmore. He was in a class by himself, man. You know, and it seemed this is. You really shine a light on this in the book. The book, once again, or if you're just joining us, it's called A Strange Celestial Road, and the author is my guest, Ahmed Abdullah. And uh, you you really do a very thoughtful uh, way of shining a light on that. On the, it was kind of, in political terms, it seems like there was kind of a power vacuum. But um, more to the point, I mean, it sounds like there was all the love was still there for the music and a lot of that got transferred in a sense if i'm interpreting this correctly from sun ra to john gilmore which was very natural but he didn't really wear the mantle of leadership comfortably it seemed yeah and and because he was very ill he was very ill and so um the fact that um sun ra left and and um and it was left in his hands to then direct this uh, massive enterprise, which was the Sun Ra Orchestra, it, it's amazing that uh, we still have a Sun Ra Orchestra because um, his condition, uh, John could hardly carry his uh, saxophone uh, to and from gigs. I mean, he was really that weak. He had emphysema, and um, and uh, it was it was debilitating. One of the things that really struck me reading that passage was, you know, it's kind of like. Uh, if you're watching a horror movie mm-hmm. and you know if you know how it ends like whew, well she's gonna live be you know still there when the movie's over we know that because right. she's the star or whatever that's kind of how i felt like well i'm so glad to know there is a sunrise orchestra and the miracle of marshall still yes leading the band and but yeah the way you describe that it sounds really yeah. harrowing yeah, I, anybody who's interested enough in this music to be listening to this show, you're going to want to make your arrangements to get a copy of A Strange Celestial Road. Blank Forms is the publisher. And once again, there's an event tomorrow night at the Strand Bookstore in Greenwich Village yeah. that Ahmed, I'm going to be interviewing Ahmed with Monique Nkosi Nuri, who's with us tonight. And. Um, the music we've been listening to, by the way, I don't think we've said this. It's recorded in Bourg-la-Reine, which is in the general vicinity of Paris, France. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know you and Sun Ra also would uh, find meaning in numbers and in dates and letters. Does the fact that this recording happened on Leap Day have a special significance? It's February 29th, 1980. Yeah. Well, 
29 is uh, considered a master number day. So that in and of itself is something. Of course, uh, the 29th of February only comes around <laughs> once every four years. So it's got to be significant in and of itself, just, you know, just on that level. But but the 29 is considered um, because you add 2 and 9 and you get 11. And uh, 11 is the double numbers are master numbers. And uh, there's a great deal of power potential in uh, in any master number, and uh, and certainly it was realized in 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 what I've heard of this particular uh, date. Really, some great stuff. Yeah. All right. Why don't we keep going? We'll hear a few more pieces, mm-hmm. and then uh, when we come back. I'm going to ask you to run down who's in the band here and what we're hearing, what's going on. Uh, this is a treat. This is music from Sun Ra that you've probably never heard. It was broadcast in Europe, and we're fortunate to have it here in the WKCR archives. Sun Ra, February 29th, 1980, in Bourg-la-Reine, France. It's deep focus. Our guest is Ahmed Abdullah. I'm Mitch Goldman. It's WKCR. <laughs> Thank you. 
Well, this is my idea of fun. Listening to the music of Sun Ra with Ahmed Abdullah. Can't think of anybody better to walk us through this. And obviously he's enjoying it as much as we are. And having Monique Ngozi Marie along as well. And this was recorded on Monday, July 24th, 2023. Deep Focus. And you should sign up and get yourself on the subscription. It's free. Don't cost you nothing. And you'll find out every time a new episode gets released. It also, it's actually a big service to us and our listenership. It helps other people find out about the show. It's probably how you found out about the show, especially if you're not in the New York area. That is what makes this show up in the algorithms for other listeners around the world. And so grateful to everybody who's done that, who's subscribed. Give us some likes, some stars, whatever they do with the podcast you listen on. It makes a big, big difference. Don't cost you nothing. And it helps out the other listeners. Okay. All right. See you over at part two. <laughs>